Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glad you're here today. According to the Business Insider, the most popular show of 2016 was HBO's Game of Thrones. It was the most popular show for the, uh, the year last year. I've not seen the show, but uh, I, I, I did do a little research on it. There, there are several factors in the ratings of the, the shows that I'm going to list to you. Some were viewership, viewer demand, uh, social media chatter, peer-to-peer sharing. The Game of Thrones is a, a series set in medieval times with very spiritual overtones. There's the old gods, the red god, the red priestess, warlocks, the faith of the seven. The second highest rated show is AMC's The Walking Dead. The third is uh, Pretty Little Liars. Well, we've we're, we're got some good shows going on here. Number four is Westworld, number five, The Flash, number six, The Big Bang Theory, number seven, The OA, number eight is Netflix series, Stranger Things, number nine, Running Man, number ten is Suits. My point is, out of the top ten rated shows, six of them are very heavy into the supernatural. Now the next ten, uh, seven of them also deal with the supernatural, the Vampire Diaries, Teen Wolf, Gotham. The next 10 most popular shows also deal with the supernatural, the horror story, uh, Supernatural, Once Upon a Time, and others. We have an affinity with the supernatural. We want to connect with the supernatural. This is not something just in the church. This is a part of humanity. So why are we having an appetite for the supernatural because we want to see and experience things beyond our human capabilities. We have a desire to experience things beyond our human limitations and our human abilities. We desire more than just our humanity. We were created for that. God made us that way. You and I have a connection with the supernatural. Why? We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And when God created us, he breathed into us and made us a living soul. We have a connection with the supernatural, but that connection should be with God. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we have a physical reaction to the supernatural. It can be a good reaction, and it can be a bad reaction. How many of you know the Bible says there's a time for this, and there's a time for that? And sometimes we get the wrong timing. We get it out of kilter. One of my favorite stories. How many of you remember uh, Dr. Rick Van Hoos? Dr. Rick's been a friend of mine for a long time, and he told me this story. Some of you have heard him tell this story. He said one day, He said, I was preaching and said, we had a lady in our church who would just get goofy in church. How many of you know anybody can just get goofy in church? Y'all are so spiritual. And said her goofiness was she would march the goose step. And said, this is what she would do. We'd be praising and worshiping her time to preach. And she would be going down the church like this. 
And obviously, nobody's listening to the worship leaders. Nobody's listening to the singing. When it's time to preach, nobody's listening to the preaching. Guess what they're focused on? Sister Wonderful doing the goose step. So Rick said, one Sunday, I'm up there preaching, and guess what happens? She gets up, I'm trying to preach, and here she goes. And he's thinking, what in the world am I going to do? And he said, my daddy got up. Stand up, Chuck. My daddy stood up while she's preaching, put his arm out, and said he goose-stepped with her, plumb out of the church. <laughs> said, escort her out the back door. <laughs> I love that story. What, 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 what do you say? There's a natural reaction to the spiritual. We were created for that. We should have a reaction to the spiritual. We need to react to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Agreed? Now, when you look at this, this is not just in the church. The world wants to feel some kind of connection with the supernatural. Why? John 6, verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. Now, if the Spirit gives life, we want to connect to that life. But here's the deception of the enemy. The enemy wants you to connect with the wrong spirit. You know, that's why, you know, you look at some of these movies and these shows. They're so dark and they're so dank and they, they lead us the wrong way. But when God breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul, then you and I can live a life that's directed by the Holy Spirit. We can live a life that is full and not empty, that is flowing and not drained. How many of you know full and flowing is better than empty and drained? So we need to live that kind of life. And the way we live that life is through the moving of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled and flowing in our marriage, with our family, with our children, our parenting. We want to be filled and flowing that we are contributing to something that's bigger and beyond ourselves. And how do we do that? We do that through the working and the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're open to that, when we are receiving that and we're sensing that, then we are filled to the point that not only we can change our life, but we can change the lives of those around us. Now, I, I want to just give you some, uh, some things on this. And d d basically, there's just two. Number one, we are filled to receive power. Do you remember Acts chapter 1? Where Jesus said, go to the upper room. He said, tarry for the promise of the Father. And he said, you shall receive what? Power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he says, that power is the power to witness. The power to witness. Now, one of my favorite stories, and I heard this years and years ago, that there was a gentleman who received the Lord, God changed his life, but he had kind of an acquaintance, a friend that had really got off course. And this friend of his worked up in Appalachia in the coal mines, and this guy was big, he was a mountain of a man, and he was very tough, and he was someone who was a heavy drinker, he abused his wife, abused his kids, and the Lord impressed upon him, you need to go witness to him. <laughs> and he says, Lord, goodness gracious, I don't go witness to him. He said, he'll just eat me alive. He'd go to those coal mines. He'd work in the coal mines. When he got out, if he had any money, he'd go to the bar. He'd drink until he almost passed out, go home, ugly to his wife. Kids would run and hide from him, and he'd go pass out on the bed. 
I mean, he did this over and over and over. When they needed clothes, they needed shoes, they needed food, guess what he's doing? He's drinking up all of the, uh, the income. And so he did this over and over and over. Now the Lord is saying, I want you to go witness to him. And he says, Lord, if I go talk to John, John's going to get really upset. So anyway, he goes to the house one evening, knocks on the door. This little wife comes up, and he says, uh, I need to talk to John. Well, I don't know if you want to talk to him. He just come in. He's passed out on the bed, but I'll go wake him up. Yeah, I'll go wake him up. So she goes, wakes up John. John is in a foul mood. He lumbers through the bedroom door and says, what do you want? And he says, everything I'd rehearsed, everything I thought, everything I'd planned had totally went out the window. And he said, the only thing that I could say to him was, man, you need God. And so when I said to that, when I said that to him, said he just broke and a tear ran down his face and, and, and he gave his life to the Lord. And when it was over, he, he said, John, he, he said, how come you responded that way to me? He said, listen to my story. He said, I know I'm a horrible father. I know I'm a horrible husband. I know I drink up all of our money and our income. I know I'm not the person I need to be. And when I'm in the back of that coal man, mine, I hear this voice speaking to me, man, you need God. And I kind of put it out of my mind, and I, I'd go back to work, and I'm back there in the darkness of that coal mine, and that limb, you know, that, that dimly lit place, I'd hear this voice speak to me, man, you need God. And when you walked in here, and you said that to me, it's exactly what I've been hearing in my heart. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit leading us. Don't, don't take thought for what you shall say because it shall be given to you in that moment. Can I hear an amen? We have power to witness. You know, Peter is a classic case. But let's look at Peter before and after. You ever, you ever seen these before and after pictures? Now, come on. This is what I look like before Nutrisystem. <laughs> this is what I look like after Nutrisystem. Yeah, right. This is what I look like before three Brahms chocolate shakes. This is what I look like. Y'all are just so holy today. Let's look at Peter, before and after. Here's Peter before. He's impulsive, argumentative, right? He's always opening mouth, inserting foot. He is preferential, he's fearful, he's accusatory. Uh, yeah, they may deny you and they may forsake you, but I would never, ever do that, Lord. He is not willing to stand up for Christ. He's not willing to claim him. He's going to deny Jesus three times. He's not even willing to stand up to a teenage girl and say, I know him. That's Peter. Now, let's look after so, Acts 1, he goes to the upper room. Acts 2, he's filled the Holy Spirit. Now, all of a sudden, he has completely changed because we're going to see the reason in just a moment. Now, he stands up in Acts 2, and he preaches the very first sermon on the streets of Jerusalem with passion and with anointing. 
Acts 3, he and John are going up to the beautiful gate. They're going up to the temple mount. And there is a lame man there. He's begging. He's asking for money. And he's been there for years and years and years. Everybody say years. He's been there for years. And when Peter and John come by this day at the hour of prayer, and this man's asking for money, cannot walk, he's lame, never, never walk. And he asked Peter and John for money. And, and I always say this, Peter and John are typical preachers. They said, we don't have any money. And Peter says, silver and gold, we don't have any, but we do have something to give you. And he looks at that lame man and takes him by the hand, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk and pull him up. And as he pulls him up, strength came to his ankle bones. And this guy, now listen, this guy leaps up, runs into the temple, praising God, shouting, and everybody's attention is focused on him. Now why? Because they know, they know who this guy is. He, he's not a plant. He, he didn't come from a televangelist service. This guy, they know, is a real bona fide person that they have seen for years, that they knew could not walk, and now God has supernaturally healed him, and he has gone into the temple praising God for what he's done. Well, everybody ought to be happy, right? Wrong. Because the Jewish leaders are not very happy about this. Let me tell you what happens. They arrest Peter and John. And they throw them into hold. And they bring them out to have a little chat with them. Now, they don't beat them this time. They're going to beat them later. But they're going to have a chat with them. Now, I want you to look with me here. This is Acts 4. Because... The Holy Spirit really wanted us to know who was there. In Acts 4, the Bible tells us who Peter is fixing to speak to. The group he's speaking to is the very group that condemned Jesus to death in that kangaroo courtroom or that trial before they sent him to Pilate. Here's the list. Rulers, elders scribes, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, and the family of the high priest. Do you know this is the group that said Jesus has committed blasphemy and he's worthy of death? This is the group that's crying out, crucify him, crucify him. This is the group that Peter is hiding from in a room with locked doors. And now Peter is looking at them and he says, you have crucified the Lord of glory. When he couldn't stand up to a teenage girl, now he's looking at the most powerful people in Judaism, and he says this, you with wicked hands have crucified him, but God raised him up from the grave. Now, what is the difference? Dr. Luke tells us, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now, why didn't Dr. Luke just say, then Peter said to them? Because he wanted us to know something. Here is the before picture of Peter without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Here is the after picture of Peter with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what did Jesus say you would have power to do? You will have power to be my witness. When Peter couldn't stand up over here, now he's standing up over here. Now we know the reason why he's standing up over here is because he is now filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? Do you realize that you and I sometimes have that same dilemma? Sometimes it could be at school, it could be at the college, it could be at work, it could be at the family member. This before and after picture shows us some very sharp contrast of Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you need an infusion of power like that? I think so. I, I think I do. I know I do. Do you realize that sometimes your humanity will tell you, you don't need to go to church? You don't need to gather with the, with the believers. You, you don't need to worship. You, you don't need to sing. You don't need to lift your hands. You don't need to read your Bible. Let me tell you something. Your humanity will take the path of least resistance. And now we're infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to do what we should do and to do what we ought to do. We need to be bolder because in that same chapter, when they were released by these rulers, they went back and gathered with the other believers. You know what they prayed? Lord, grant us boldness that we might speak your word. Give us boldness that we might declare who you are. Help us to stand up for you. Help us to be a witness to other people. God, give us Holy Ghost boldness. Folks, we need some Holy Ghost boldness in the church. Now, not only the power to witness but the power to change. One of the greatest witnesses that you will ever have is when people see the change in you and the change in me. Do you agree with that? So we need the power to change. Now you've heard this over and over, but one of the ways that we have the power to change and one of the ways that we do change is by faith-filled words. Say that with me. Faith-filled words. Now, I'm going to get into a an area that I've never really preached on like this, but I really feel like the Lord's given me some insight on this. In Genesis chapter 1, we know how God operates. Let me tell you how he operates. Whenever God does a thing, he always says a thing before he does a thing. Correct? God says a thing before he, before he does a thing. God created the heavens and the earth by speaking them into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, it was void, darkness covered the face of the deep or the, the abyss. And then the Bible says, and the Spirit of God began to move over the face of the waters. And the Spirit of God began to move over the face of the waters. So here we have God speaking the Word, and as soon as the Word is spoken, what happens? The Spirit begins to move. Guess what happens when you speak the Word? Same thing. Spirit begins to move. We need to direct our change. We need to focus on our change. And one of the ways we do that is by saying the right things. 
You say, well, that is so elementary. It's pretty elementary, but sometimes we don't always do it. And sometimes we don't always uh, get it accomplished. God spoke, the Holy Spirit moved. We speak, the Holy Spirit moves. We do, and the Holy Spirit moves. So we speak, we do, and we need the moving of the Holy Spirit. We have to speak the right things and do the right things. Take your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 very quickly. There's something here that I've never seen before in the way that I'm going to share it with you this morning. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to direct you to verse 30. Then we're going to take the verses around 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you know the Holy Spirit can be grieved? The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Do you realize the Holy Spirit can be pleased? If the Holy Spirit can be grieved, then the Holy Spirit can be pleased. Now, oh, I don't know if you can please God, really. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you know God can be pleased? The Holy Spirit's God. So, we can either grieve the Holy Spirit or we can please the Holy Spirit. Now, go up with me to verse 25. You're in Ephesians 4, go up to, to 25. And, and let's see what Paul says around this verse that says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, don't lie. Well, that's good, isn't it? Don't lie. Speak the truth. If you get angry, don't sin. Now, it's getting a little tougher here. If you get angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You ever done that? You were angry, upset with somebody, and you went to bed that way? Galen's the only one that's ever done that. We've all done that. You're upset with your wife, you're upset with your husband. I'm just going to go to bed. Shut the door. You grieving the Holy Spirit person. We've all done that. Don't lie, speak the truth. Get angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Do not give place to the devil. Don't steal, but work so you can supply your needs and even have money to give to other people. Boy, that needs to be preached in America, doesn't it? You see, you don't work just to have enough for you. You need to have enough to give to those who have needs, according to the Word of God here. He says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but do encourage people and build them up, impart grace to others, let bitterness and wrath and anger, division, slander be put away from you, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. These are all good things to do. These are all bad things to do. So if you do the good things, you please the Holy Spirit. If you do what you should not do, what do you do? You grieve the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure we've all, at one time or another, have grieved the Holy Spirit. But we are to not grieve the Holy Spirit, but we are to please the Holy Spirit. Now, take your Bible, turn with me to James, and James is going to talk about your tongue. This is getting worse. He'll talk about your tongue. And when he talks about the tongue, he says our tongue 
is a very important member of our body. He says that your tongue, look there at verse 2, is a way that you move to perfection. Verse 2, for we all stumble, we fall in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect person, a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths so that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot or the captain desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Have you ever blessed somebody with your tongue, your words? Have you ever hurt somebody with your tongue or words? Sure. My big toe has never offended Carrie. But my tongue has offended her. Matter of fact, that passage says that your tongue can be set on fire from hell. Wow. Just as cloven tongues as of fire of the Holy Spirit came, James says your tongue can be set on fire from hell. Wow. I think I've heard a few people talk that sound like they've been there. Haven't you? Now, the tongue here is referred to and compared to the rudder of a ship. The rudder determines the direction of that ship. You lose your rudder, you have no sense of direction. The rudder determines the direction of the ship. Now, now remember, the rudder is what? It's the tongue. The rudder's your tongue. Now, this is the only two ways that they powered ships in those days. Only two ways. They would set the sails, and the wind would fill the sails, and it would move the ship. And they would take the rudder, and they would guide it, and the wind would empower them. The other way was they would have to have oars to manually power the ship. You, you've seen those ships, the galleys where the oars were sticking out and the men are in there and, and they're, they're rowing the ship. Okay, the first one is the power of the wind. The second one is the power of humanity. Let me tell you what's easier. It's easier for you to throw up your sails and let the wind catch the sails and power you to where you need to go. But if we grieve the Holy Spirit, if we're not in a line to the moving of the Spirit, you've got to do it on your own. Now, now, write this down. The Holy Spirit will not lead you where you shouldn't go. The Holy Spirit will not lead you where you should not go. If you go where you shouldn't go, you have to do it under your own power. You have to do it under your own power. You got to take the row. You got to take the oar. And you got to move it, move it, move it, move it, move it. But if we're in the will of God, what we have to do is by faith just put up our sails and let the power of the Holy Spirit now direct us where we need to go. What's better, this or that? 
That's better. You were never meant to accomplish your purpose without the power of God. You were never meant to accomplish your purpose without the power of God. I was never meant to accomplish my purpose without the power of God. If I'm going to accomplish anything else besides that, i got to do it manually by my own humanity. This is something many of you know, and I've heard you say it. If you start it in the flesh, you'll have to keep it going in the flesh. But if you start it in the Spirit, how many of you know the Holy Spirit will help you get there? Throw up the sails, take the rudder, which is what? Your tongue, begin to go that direction, and the Holy Spirit will help us get where we're going because we're going in the direction that he wants us to go because we're not grieving him. But if we grieve him, then you've got to row it on your own. Let me tell you the, the, the two theme songs of the world. I did it my way and row, row, row your boat. <laughs> if you're going to do it your way, you've got to row your own boat. But if you do it God's way, you just throw up the sails and let the power and the wind, and how many of you know the wind has always been determined through Scripture as a type of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there came the sound of a rushing, mighty wind. Isn't it going to be better for you if you throw up the sails and let the Holy Spirit take you where you need to go? You may be here today and say, you know what, I've heard all that church junk I want to hear. We'll keep rowing your boat. How's that working for you? How's the drugs working for you? How's your finances working for you? How's the drinking working for you? How's being a heavenly ding-dong working for you? I got that from Dr. Paul Payne, as a matter of fact. You, you, you can even try to drive it on your own. Row, row, row your boat. Or maybe you need to be like a Peter, or me, or you, or a lot of us here, to say, you know what? I rode that boat so long, it didn't take me very, very far, and it sure wasn't going the direction I needed it to go. And maybe you're like a Peter, you're impulsive, maybe you say whatever you think, and, and maybe you're not very committed, you're not loyal, and, and you've got so many failures. But let me tell you what will happen. When you really get right with God, there's a before you and there's an after you. And that after you is so much better than the before you. Because God can change your life. There's a lot of people shaking their heads because God's changed your life. He's changed my life. And he wants to change your life. Quit rowing your boat. I'm not saying there's not effort you have to be given. I'm not saying that there's not something you do. But if you're, in, if you're into this, you're going to do it all yourself. It's not going to lead. This is not going to turn out good for you. But if you're willing to say, Lord, here I am. I've tried this on my own. I think what I'm going to do is throw up my sails and I'm going to say and do the right things and I believe you're going to get me where I need to go. I believe you can, don't you? I believe he wants to. I went back and reread some of Hebrews chapter 11. And the verse that we all know 
it's tied to the verse before that says, Enoch pleased God. And the next verse says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you have faith today, faith speaks, and now you have the rudder, and you're speaking the right things and doing the right things, and you know what it does? It, it recalculates your direction. You remember the old GPSs? How many of you ever got tired of recalculating? Recalculating, recalculating. Let me tell you what my wife said. She said, Mike, the reason you don't like to turn that on is because a woman is telling you where to go. <laughs> Can you believe she said that to me? <laughs> and I've heard other women say this, it needs to be a British male voice telling you what direction to go and in between says, you look lovely today. Have you lost weight? Turn right here. That's encouraging. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit's our helper, our comforter, our power, getting us where we need to go. And enthusing us about the journey. We ought to come in here and be enthused. Not dead religion. We ought to be joyous what God is doing in our life. And if he's not doing that in your life, recalculate. Throw up the sail. Let the Holy Spirit direct you in the right way. Bow your head with me. Today, if you... Uh... We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.